0: With life and business coach, Kelly Jackson. Hi, I love you, and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. I sat down a few weeks ago to talk money with my friend, brilliant coach, Natasha Takesti, and this conversation just lights up my world. Um, she is, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, she is who I mentioned being the money coach who doesn't budget and her work is just absolutely phenomenal. She also didn't have a podcast yet when we had this little chat, but she does now. And I want to make sure you know about it because it is delightful She co-hosts with her friend Maria, and it's called Making Work Fun with Maria and Natasha. And I know you're going to love it just like you love this conversation. So have a listen. Go subscribe to her pod and follow her on all the socials. She is Natasha Tecchesti. NatashaTecchesti.com is also her website. So go find her.
1: Okay.
0: Oh, my gosh. I am so excited because today I'm talking with my friend, Natasha, who is an amazing money coach. And if you have ever seen me share content from the money coach who doesn't budget, this is that person. (laughs) We're talking to her today.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. That's amazing. I love this introduction and I'm so happy to be here with you, Kelly. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for
0: sharing your time with me and my lovely little audience that we have here. Um, Part of whom are probably people who coach with you in you know our period. job so um, but, <laughs> uh, but I am so we know that I market generally toward direct sales people and direct sales people sometimes come into the industry for their direct sales business to fix their money problems mm-hmm. but when they come into the industry with a story that they are bad with money or that they don't know how to handle money then it doesn't matter how much money they make; they don't necessarily change their financial situation. um mm-hmm. They might make more money, but then not be able to hold on to the money. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, something that I personally experienced within the industry is that I was making a whole lot more money, but I hadn't changed my relationship to having money and spending mm-hmm. money and investing money and all of that stuff. And so, even though I was making a bunch of money, I was still like, "Where the fuck is it?
1: I don't know. It's gone." <laughs> yes, totally. Because I think sometimes having money actually feels really uncomfortable We think it's supposed to feel really good all the time. But if you have a belief that you're bad with money and that you're not supposed to have it, that actually probably feels more comfortable for you than sitting with the capacity and the ideas that maybe you are a person who can increase their wealth and have more money. And so there's a period and like a flow of discomfort that you have to be willing to move through. So for sure, if you're not willing to feel that discomfort, you're just going to be like spending it as quickly as it comes in for sure. Yeah. Yeah, And that, that could look like buying stuff that could look like
0: lending money to friends and family who are never going to fucking pay you back. That could look like any sort of charitable contribution, but just like getting the fuck rid of it because you don't know how to have it. Mm -hmm. Even if you are making more than if you don't know how to have money, you don't know how to keep money. You don't know how to um, spend it in the ways that uphold your values or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not going to
1: it's not going to yeah, matter. If you have that scarcity mentality, it's going to show up in how you like spend or save the money that you have. For sure, right? It's going to just always feel so urgent or like a hustle. And when you're in that like sense of urgency with money, it's really hard to slow down and pause and make an intentional decision about what it is that you truly want to do here, right? It's not about finding the right or wrong thing. It's really about you bringing yourself back to what's important to you and what you value. And sometimes that takes it a pause. But if you're in that like scarcity, uncomfortable hustle, like it's so hard to be able to access the willingness to just stop for a moment and decide on purpose. For sure. Ah, exactly. And I, I have noticed as well um,
0: in my own actions in the past, as well as habits that um, I worked with some of my team members on where if you are making more money. You still, you might, you might have the same spending habits, just spending more of money on more things. And by that, I mean, like if you have a scarcity mentality, if you have a poverty mentality, if you have been raised in poverty, then it might be your habit to buy things when they're on sale. Mm -hmm. So you wait until something goes on sale. That way you're not spending as much money. And that seems like a, a great idea. Okay. Excellent. However, if you have more money, it's on sale and you buy two, even though you don't need to, then Mm -hmm. that's spending more money with the same kind of habits that seems smart, but just getting rid of more money.
1: And And you don't know if that's what you want to be doing. Right. Like you are still spend. It's so funny buying things on sale or the idea of like spending to save money. Cause I'm always like, well, you're kind of just spending it anyways. (laughs) You're not really saving it. Like (laughs) I think it comes back to, it's like, well, do you need that thing? What do you want to do with it? Do you need that like adventure or that like trip or like it's like it's it's all about like you and coming back to what you want instead of like these arbitrary rules that have been like maybe given to you about what you're supposed to be doing with your money. Yes,
0: yes, 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 yes. Okay, so now that we've got that out of the way, which is the thing that I was like,
1: ah, I have to talk about this right now. Oh. <laughs> it's important though, because it's, it's why I don't budget for myself, like Mm -hmm. I have nothing against budgets. I think they could be really useful as a tool for certain people and certain personalities and different people like, um, I find success in different ways, but I think what I see a lot of the time is we use external arbitrary rules to create a budget, yeah, and the budget yeah. isn't actually in line with what we want or what we need or what we want our lifestyle to actually look and feel like. Instead, we just use it as a tool to shame and judge ourselves and, like, as evidence for how we're not, yeah. like, moving this budget, and this is why I'm just, like, I don't necessarily think that they work for everyone, and I think it's instead, like, you're allowed to just, like, prioritize the money that you have each week or each month whenever it comes in in ways that feel really good and intuitive and like um, grounding for you as opposed to following some numbers on a spreadsheet or on an app that you just like made up based on what someone who wrote a financial book once told you the percentages were supposed to be. Right, right, right. Because that
0: person who wrote that book knows absolutely everything about your life. What?
1: <laughs> right? I know, exactly they know about your life, your relationship status, your income levels, you know, your housing costs, like all of that stuff is so important to consider and yeah. And you get to just pry. I think the biggest thing with money is you are always in charge. You're always the authority of your own money and you get to decide what you want to do for you. And when you get to that place, it is so empowering and it's so freeing as opposed to feeling really restrictive and like shame driven.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, tell me how you got to this place, how you got to the place where you are able to see money as something that's not restrictive and you're able to utilize money in a way that supports your life, supports your values without a budget. Like what is, what has that journey been like for you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I did not grow up with a lot of money. We were like a single income family I mean, I didn't have a lot of, yeah, a lot of money growing up. I also didn't see a lot of people who looked like me growing, like when I was growing up who had money, just for context, for people who don't know me, I'm biracial. So my mom is white and my dad is black. And um, I just saw a lot of like wealthy, old, rich white people with money. And that was like who I thought money was for. Um, But I also could see that like money was a tool that you could have to, to get you the lifestyle or the things that you wanted so but at that point in time I like didn't understand that it was available for everyone and that everyone had access to it I thought it was just kind of only for certain people people who already had it and so I think it was just kind of like honestly you know going through university getting my first job and being really interested in shifting my own relationship to money that I started reading a lot of like personal finance blogs. I started watching like YouTube videos and just seeing other people, especially young people, people of color, talking so openly about their relationship with money, talking so openly about their relationship with debt, their relationship with investing, their relationship with spending and saving. And all of that just kind of like de shamedified money decisions for me. And I just kind of started to realize that there's no right answer and no right way. Um, And it really is just a tool that we can use. And look, it's not always better to try to like make more money. If you don't want to make more money, that's like 100% allowed as well. Like I'm not here to tell everyone in the world that they should go do something. I think it's just recognizing like, hey, this is a part of our lives in the society in which we live. We use money to exchange value. And so how do I want that relationship to look like in a way that fuels me and serves me in the society in which I live? Yeah. 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 So what are some of the things that you
0: have noticed with the clients that you coach about their money stories, their money relationships that you think sort of permeate the culture and sort of keep people from having that um, open relationship with money and perpetuate shame instead.
1: Totally, I think their relationship with debt. I uh, think in okay. society we haven't in- inherently accepted that some type of debt is okay and other type of debt is morally wrong and means you are a failure in life. Like yeah. it
0: is
1: so shame driven. And so starting to poke holes into the stories that my clients have around debt and the relationship to debt, I think can be super empowering because then you no longer have to make pixels on a screen, numbers in a bank account, whatever you want to, however you want to describe it, mean that you are a failure and not deserving of anything else in your life, or you can never get ahead or you can never change. I think like debt is just a thing that exists in the world. And it is morally neutral, it doesn't mean anything about anyone. And there have been so many beautiful instances where having debt has actually served people in beautiful ways, right? Like, sometimes people go into debt, because that is the only emotional, like, that's, that's their capacity in that moment, that is the survival tool that they have available to them to be able to get through whatever they're going through in their lives. And to, have access to that can be such a beautiful thing. Like we don't need to shame and judge it. And now that they're be through that moment of their life, they have that circumstance of debt. And now what do they want to do about it? What do, you, what do you want to do if you want to change, right? How do you want to shift? How do you want to move forward, right? If you're stuck in the past and judging it and reliving it and um, looking at all the ways you were wrong and you were bad, you're never going to be able to create change in your life going forward, I think for like what I would suggest for most people is exploring their relationship to debt is a really great starting point.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's such an interesting point too, with the idea that if you are living in the past, then you're going to keep shaming and judging yourself for it. And if, Oh, I can't, I cannot tell you how many people I have known who they'll have some sort of credit card debt specifically. Mm -hmm and uh, i mean it, it could apply to student loan debt it could apply to a mortgage it could apply to anything but credit card debt is what i find most of the time people have so so much more shame around than other kinds oh, of debt
1: that's what i mean like the good and bad right we're like is fine mortgage debt is amazing you're like on track like mortgage debt hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt means that you are an adult exactly It is. It's so messed up when we think about it. We're like, you can take $500,000 of debt and that's okay. But this $20,000 of debt on this plastic card means you are a failure and a bad human.
0: It makes no sense. And when we have that kind of shame, what I have noticed is that oftentimes, like, oh, I'm just not even going to look at that credit card statement. And it's going to be months before I choose to look at it. I'm not going to make any payments. I'm going to pretend like it's not there because if I look at it, then that means. I make it mean something about myself and I feel fucking terrible. Yeah. And then that just makes the financial situation like quote unquote worse because you're gonna have more interest. You're gonna have potentially collections involved and like that that's not helpful and that doesn't get you toward where you want to be in your financial life. And it has everything to do with what you're making that credit card statement mean about you as a person. Whereas just like you said, like a mortgage, well, yay you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. It's so wild. And you're exactly right. Like when we tack on shame about a decision that we've made or a circumstance in our life, it is impossible to address it because shame always makes us want to hide and like watch TV, eat snacks, not address it, run away from the problem for sure. So the first step is to just de shameify, And I think sometimes you can do that by just like bringing some lightheartedness to the situation. Like I'm still here. I'm still alive. I'm still, you know, there's still food on the table. My bills are still getting paid and it's okay. Like we can lower the stakes of the situation. It doesn't have to be an emergency high stakes situation. I think sometimes we like don't want to open the envelope because you're like, Oh my God, someone's going to yell at me, but like, no, one's there. You're just <laughs> like, yourself. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like the oh god, what are they called? The Harry Potter
1: envelopes that do actually yes, exactly. <laughs> the howler, the howler is what's happening when you open the letters from the
0: bank. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna picture that now. Ah, I love it. Every time I go to my mailbox, I'm gonna be like, "Is there a howler from <laughs> my bank?" <laughs> so funny. So okay. If we are to de-shameify, which, mm-hmm. first of all, I love that word. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <brilliant. laughs> I feel like we should de-shameify everything. Oh, yes, yeah. de-shameify yeah. everything. Yeah. If we are to de-shameify debt, mm-hmm. what does that what does that look like? What do you like? What are the steps involved? What's the
1: process? What does that mean for you? How do you yeah. approach that with your clients? I think the first step is always just exploring what you make the debt mean. Like, let's just look at all of those shame inducing thoughts and just get them all out. What are the horrible things that you're telling yourself about the debt? Let's just be really honest so that we can start to see what's in front of us and get curious about it. So I have to reiterate what you just said, Mm -hmm. get the thoughts out so you
0: can look at them because- Mm -hmm. I can't tell you. Oh my gosh. I I feel like I said, I can't tell you how many times, 12 times so far on this podcast, but like I find so often that people are afraid to get their thoughts out and look at them because they think that getting the thoughts out will make them more real. Yeah. If I write them down, if I tell them to somebody, if I type them out, then that means they are real. They're more real than they are. If they're just in my head. And so then obviously it means that it's true that I'm, a shitty person and bad with money and, you know, morally bankrupt in addition to financially bankrupt, you know, or whatever the fuck it is like, mm-hmm. uh, and that just, I find such an interesting concept that if I keep it in my brain, it's less true, but if I let it out somewhere, then that's not for exploration. That's just proof or something. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes, get the thoughts out get the thoughts out and then what?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Look at like, look at them. Let's like examine them and just start to see those sentences that you've been telling yourself subconsciously because you haven't been looking at them. Right. For and over again. And let's start to just like question them. Like, is it really true that because you spent $250 on a pair of shoes that you are an epic failure who deserves nothing in your life? Like, is that actually true, right? Like, what if a loved one did the same thing? Would you say those same words to them? What if you're like pet, <laughs> I don't know, like knocked over $250 worth of pet food. And now that was like, obliterated and you couldn't use it does that mean that they're an epic failure and don't deserve food anymore like just start to play around with those premises that you've simply been accepting as truth about yourself and especially when you put them on people that you love like you would never tell that to a a spouse or a friend or a family member or anyone that you care about in your life so why do you like think it's okay to treat yourself like this you know bully or internal kind of like shame monster. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's like the first step is just being willing to meet yourself with some compassion and just some kindness for whatever situation you're in, for whatever the thoughts that are in your brain, <laughs> whatever they are, like, it's okay that that's there, but we don't have to keep telling ourselves that story. And this is why I think like, money mindset coaching is just so much about bringing yourself back into relationship with yourself and learning how to love yourself more because we don't always make all the like quote unquote best money decisions. There's like things that I would have done differently in my relationship with money. And we all have that story of like, well, that was probably something I shouldn't have bought or that didn't work out the way I wanted to. Right. But it's like getting to a place to like learn and love the mistakes that you make and the lessons that you've like learned, as opposed to seeing them as evidence for how you're just, <laughs> you can never figure money out and you will just be broke forever. And it's not possible for you to change your situation.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> something that you said about money and shame um, a few minutes ago, made me think of the idea that it's something that we sort of aren't allowed to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if part of, part of the issue is the shame around even discussing money and secrecy and keeping everything so like hush hush, like it's, it's taboo to talk about any kind of money, whether that be debt Mm -hmm. or income level even like amongst coworkers, like having a conversation about like, Hey, what are you paid just to make sure that I'm also being fairly paid and like vice versa, you know, like that's something that is so wildly uncomfortable within at least, you know, United States. I imagine also for you in Canada,
1: (laughs) I think it's because this is a totally other, like topic, but it's huge, right? Like we measure our human value and our worth and our contributions to the world by the amount of money that we are paid. Mm
0: -hmm. That is
1: like a false premise. Like the amount of value that you have as a human can, is immeasurable. We can never pay a dollar amount that like equates to your life and your value and your experience or anything. So we conflate financial economic value of a product and service with the value of hu- who we are as a human. And then and- when that's happening, you're like, well, of course I don't want to talk about this. I don't want you to know that I'm a hundred dollar an hour human or whatever it is.
0: <laughs> like, And then, so in, oh God, this is brilliant. So in that respect, that would sort of mean that if you have financial debt of the kind that we don't like as a society, not, Mm -hmm. not a mortgage, obviously, because that's fine. Student loans is kind of fine and like, whatever. But if you have credit card debt, then that means your value is what? Less than zero. Is that, do you think that that's part of what is happening here and why people don't, why people have so much shame around debt?
1: Oh my gosh, I've never thought about that, but I think so, right? Something tied to your net worth, right? So if yeah. your net worth is less than zero, because that is a real reality for a lot of people who have debt, then yeah, maybe there is some sort of fucked up evaluation where your worth is, I mean, right? Who knows? But that is that could totally be it.
0: Uh, this is so interesting. This is so interesting. So if I have if I have a job where I make a certain amount of money, then that means I am morally superior to other people. And yet if I have credit card debt, then that means that I am morally inferior because my net worth has diminished. And this is, yeah, I think that this is part of what is happening. I, this is so fucked up, but I think that this
1: is part of what is happening. but I want to know like who it's because we create these premises in our own brains right this is what we all do but like who's out there like measuring the (laughs) worth of humans right it's not like the stock market where your worth goes up one day and then all of a sudden you spend some money on something and your worth goes down like right how are we measuring this it's
0: so crazy yeah I wonder if part of it has to do with language and the fact that like in English speaking countries anyway we use the word value Mm -hmm. and worth sort of interchangeably for like inherent humanness and also
1: yeah for money (laughs) like net worth net present value all of these kinds of things that is so wild kelly i've never thought about it in that way but maybe there's some sort of conflation happening because the two words are similar yeah well and and too i think like i've thought about this for a while the idea that like and I
0: didn't invent this. I'm sure that it came from a million other like, coaches, just probably you. Um, but the idea that like, if we charge our worth, then that means we know how much we are worth. And yeah, you I to- hate the
1: idea of charging the worth. I'm like, that's not a thing. That's not-, that's not a thing. How would I charge my worth? I don't know how to find that calculation for that. This no. is why I tell my clients what to do in terms of charging. I'm always like, what price feels good for you? What price are you like excited to talk about? What price delights you and makes you just feel so much love for your product or your service or whatever it is that you do? Like, let's bring it back to something that feels empowering and so, so fun and so good and exciting, as opposed to trying to figure out a math calculation of like what your worth is. Like, I don't even know how to help you create that calculation. No, because your inherent worth does not have any sort of significance in relationship to money. Yeah, totally. And also when we're trying to figure out like the economic value of our product or service, sometimes what ends up happening is we do all this research, comparing ourselves to other people. But when we're in a place of comparing ourselves to other people, we're never actually thinking about ourselves, our business, our like sales, whatever it is that we want to do. We're so focused on the market. So like, cool maybe do some market research if you want but also recognize that like you're the authority you get to decide here you get to choose and why don't we just figure out and start with what feels good for you uh, yeah 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 because if you
0: if it feels good for you then you're going to show up and talk about it in a way that sort of emits that good feeling right mm-hmm. like you're going to in your marketing in your conversations in your sales pitches in like what the fuck ever you do with in relationship to your business and your clientele, you're going to be able to show up in a way that
1: shows them that you feel good about what it is that you're offering. Yeah. Cause you're already sold on it. And the yeah. first, in selling anything or, and I mean, selling anything, like if you're selling a product, if you have a business, you're selling a service, or if you have um, a job and you're like negotiating a salary and you're selling kind of that contract at that first step or at a performance review process, whatever, like you have to be sold on it first and think it's an amazing idea because when you love it, then you're going to show up with that energy where you want to talk about it and you want to tell everyone else why it's amazing and why it's an incredible thing that they also need to be excited about too, right? Yeah. If you're not sold on what you're doing, you cannot fucking sell somebody else on it. That doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. And that applies like across the board in sales, in business and with your employer, if you're an employee in an organization. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Okay. What are, what are some of the other things that you see come up with your clients when you talk about money? So shut shit dame no <laughs> debt shame,
1: <laughs> debt, shame. <laughs> so kind of here's another topic that comes up a lot people always want to tell me about how hard it is to make money uh, and that's like a belief in a story that they have and I think there's like two ways that we can kind of explore that right like the first way is questioning like is that really true have is it has it has every single cent that you've ever made been really, really hard for you? So we can start to question the premise of that and like, look at like, well, what does it mean for something to be hard? But then the other way we can explore it is just be like, yeah, maybe it is hard to make money sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it takes work and energy and effort, but like, so what? Like, is that a reason for you to not show up and not try just because you haven't landed the results that you want yet? Like life is hard sometimes. And then, and then what do we want to do? (laughs) Right. And that is such a more empowering place than being like, well, this is just hard. (laughs) Uh, And like, I think that,
0: I think that sometimes when people talk about it being hard to make money, like, okay, so we can talk about how, like, is that really true? And we can, we can go down that road. And for some people that can feel, um, dismissive of their experience, And so having that other, having that other direction of like, okay, let's say, sure, it is hard to make money, but then do you want to feel helpless against Mm -hmm. that? Is there anything else that has been hard for you in your life that you have figured out how to do and how to do well? You know, and, and I think that sometimes in, in like mindset work, whether that's like the kind of coaching that we do, or if it's like, you know, law of attraction manifestation or whatever that can feel, that can seem really dismissive of the systems that are put in place that often work against people. And if you accept this system exists, like, you know, we're in a capitalistic society. Uh, I believe that late stage capitalism is kind of fucked. Um, but (laughs) like, okay, this is what we are working with. Do I want to feel helpless against it? Probably exactly. not because that does not serve me and it doesn't actually serve anyone else either. Exactly. So if I feel helpless, well, making money is hard. Okay. Let's just say that that's a, a truth. Making money is hard. Then how do you want to show up for that hard thing? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's such a different question than asking like, yeah. I mean, dis- dismantling the, the, the concept that making money is hard. I, I definitely think that there's value in that because I don't think that making money necessarily has to be hard. Um, but if that's what you're, if that's what you're stuck in, yes, then just questioning what you want to do about that is such a powerful question. How you want to show up to that is such a powerful question.
1: Totally. Cause Kelly and I like. We're never here or I, I'm not out here saying that different money circumstances don't exist and that people have created all of their results with money, that everything that has ever happened to them with money has been based on what they've thought and done in their lives. I actually don't agree with that. We know that people are born into different income levels. We know that people with marginalized identities Have different access to money and economically, like in our society, than other individuals. Like we know that there are oppressive oppressive structures in place that marginalize or limit people's access to money, that make it harder, factually harder, for some people to access money than other people in the world. Like those are facts of our lives. But I think what you're saying, Kelly, and I think this is so important. It's right. It's like. Yeah, let's just accept that those are some of the restrictions that we live in, in our society. But what do you want to do about it for you? Because when we sit in that helpless place of like, this sucks, it's shitty, and there's nothing I can do about it, and I can never change it then you don't ever get to try and change it and try to do something different. But if it's like, yeah, this fucking sucks. I'm not okay with it. I wish it was different. And I know that I'm a badass and I can create different results and I can do different things. Even even in a society that's telling me that it's not for someone like me or it's not available to someone like me, that's where you have, you step into your own power and your authority to take charge of the situation in your life.
0: Uh I this is this is reminding me of a a conversation that I had with my sister not too long ago. Um we grew up, there's there's a nine-year difference between the two of us. I'm the oldest, she's the youngest of our family. And um, we grew up in sort of different financial circumstances. Mm -hmm. But even at that, like I when when I was growing up, uh, I was the child of a single parent for a chunk of my childhood. And we were well below the poverty line.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then relationships changed, family dynamics changed. And, you know, by the time my sister was around, mm-hmm. then we were sort of lower middle class, but there was never a time in either of our upbringing where we were like middle, middle class or like upper middle class, like that wasn't part of our reality. So even though our circumstances were were different, we were still like in a similar realm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And both of us have shifted our financial state in life to what we grew up in. And like, we weren't raised to do that. Like mm-hmm. I was during the, the conference that you and I both talk at or taught at where you were virtual, just like, you know, I was in New York a couple weeks ago. Um, I was telling some of the people in my little class that, you know, when I grew up, the belief, one of the beliefs that I was raised with was like, retirement is not for us. We work until we're dead. (laughs) And like, that's not, that's not the same place where my sister and I both are now. And so we've been able to change that. She does not do thought work. She does not do coaching, but there's been something about our shift in both of our relationships to money based on potentially something that we grew up with that wasn't specifically about money that allowed us to make that change. And I, I I don't know if it's that we were raised to believe that we could do anything we wanted, or we were raised to believe that, you know, we were in control of our lives or something like that. But it's making me think of like how, um, like I, I know that you grew up in a position where you didn't have a lot of money and you have changed that as well. You have changed your relationship with money. And I wonder if, Prior to becoming a coach and prior to being introduced to thought work, if there was something that kind of led you on that journey to believe that you could make a change?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great question. I think, I, I think it's kind of just being like hopeful. Like you have to always just be hopeful that things can be different and mm-hmm. that it's possible for you. And also to see other people who are examples of like, what is possible in the world. I know it like might sound kind of crazy to think about it, but it's like, oh, if that person can do it, then why can't I do it? Like, why not me? And I really think the age like of social media and blogs and YouTube and people sharing so vulnerably and openly about their own experiences, at least for me, started to open my eyes to what was actually possible even before I learned about coaching, even before I learned about thought work, like I started to understand that I could make a change and make things different in my life. And I had that possibility capacity. I think that's, you have to start there. You have to start by being willing to believe that it can be different for you, even if you don't have any evidence for how that's the case right now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that that's really, valuable insight, that willingness to believe that things can change is what allows you to have the capacity to create the change
1: for yourself. Yes, totally. And that like, this kind of brings us full circle back to like the debt conversation, right? Willingness to believe that you can change your like financial position, even if you are in debt, no matter how much money it is, a willingness to, to, see a different future for yourself even if it feels uncomfortable to think that but just like letting your brain be like other people have paid off debt before other people are in debt now this doesn't mean I'm a failure and I'm a bad human for life I can shift my relationship to it I can show up in different ways in my life if that's what I want to do and I think that is just so so powerful for people. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. So,
0: um, now that we have come full circle, um, (laughs) would you please tell us where, where people can find you and bask in your brilliance?
1: <laughs> yes, totally. So you can find me on my website, which is my first and last name. So Natasha N A T A S H A. My last name is Tekesti, T-E-K-E-S-T-E dot com. Or you can find me on Instagram, which again is just my first and last name. Um, and feel free to, you know, send me a DM or send me an email. I would love to connect with you.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh. Natasha, I love you. I think you're brilliant. I'm so grateful to have had you on here to share your amazingness and your magic with my people. Um, and I hope that they all follow you because seriously, I've learned so much from you and I want them to do the same.
1: (laughs) I've learned so much from you, Kelly. This was amazing. Thank you so, so much for letting me share, you know, on your space and be, you know, open to me talking about all kinds of money things with your, your listeners. So I really appreciate it. Yes.